1: One twenty-seven, verse 1 says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. So we could be laboring and doing all this, but just doing it in vain and nothing ever changes. Maybe we could keep the lights on. Maybe we could keep the church together, but the, the key to success is to build in God's house is that the Lord has to build the house. And we have to listen to the plans of the Lord and pursue the pursuits of the Lord. And use the people the Lord chooses. Amen? That's why you're here. Vision creates growth. These banners create growth. Because when people hook up, they when I take them through the next step, they, they feel, oh, I want to be a part of that. That helps the church grow. Leadership equips for growth. Like I, like I said earlier, uh, as part of the five-fold ministry, my job is to equip the saints for the working of the ministry. And you as a leader, you are equipping your people for the work of the ministry. So as a leader, leaders equip for growth. Are you expecting growth first and foremost? are we believing for growth cuz i know a lot of churches out there they're just happy just to you know just uh, we don't want a lot of people man we hate people you know <laughs> i love jesus but i hate people man i just want to go to a ch- small church you know a lot of people just want a small church atmosphere we want to keep our church small we don't want people i've seen churches don't even put signs out in the front it's a it's a club but no We want growth because Jesus died for growth of the kingdom. So we equip for growth. Structure supports growth. That's our Chick-fil-A ideas, how we do things, our processes, and so forth. Our systems drive growth. Our systems would be like our next step, our life groups. They're driving growth. Right? every All of this is working together and we must make sure that the Lord is in all of these things. So you guys have a voice. If you see something's not working, let me know. And we will change our systems. We'll uh, structure even if we have to. Well, of course, we'll pray it out. But, it, you know, maybe the Lord will speak through you that we can do things better than we're currently doing them. And God, when he sees uh, faithfulness, he will bless his plan. Have you noticed that God blesses his plan? His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God will bring the increase as we line up. Um, so the people that God has chosen at this given time on the leadership org chart, or below, you can look through that. You can, uh, if you're not sure where you fit in those, the, the departments that you serve in, or you may serve in, or you may lead one day. And uh, that's the way it, it, it sits <clears throat> right now. I expect some change in this organizational chart before the year's over. Hopefully, some big change. So you can look through that. That's that's where we stand right now, though. That's who reports to who kind of thing. All right, uh, year-end quarterly report. That is something I send to Pastor Vickers quarterly. Of course, this is the last quarter to year-end quarterly report I'm going to read to you. But uh, four times a year, you know, I report our activity. He knows what our goals are for the church And I I respond to each one of those goals quarterly. I'd give him an overall look at what what the church is doing. I send it in a written form, you know, besides talking to him all the time, you know, and the conference calls that we have. So he is uh, very interested in our processes and, and, and our growth. And that's the same thing. Let me just say a little bit about as department leaders I ask you to put together goals for the new year. I ask you uh, to pray and put together goals. Then I ask you to begin to implement those goals, to begin to work towards those goals. And then somewhere about halfway through the year, we ask you to pr- provide a SWOT and a GAP report. All that's a SWOT report is strengths, weaknesses, uh... uh, 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 uh opportunities and threats. oh yeah so oh I was thinking hey SWAT yeah, it's opportunities and threats so that's just looking at your looking at what's going on in your department it's forcing you to look at your department saying what are our strengths how can we capitalize on that what are our weaknesses what do we need to do to strengthen those what are our opportunities that we need to be pursuing and what are the threats that could bring our department down that we need to know we need to watch for backbiting murmuring these kind of divisive things might be a threat in your department or people can't get there because of this or so it's just asking you to evaluate mid-year the the, the what's going on in your department and then the gap report is basically what I'm going to show you I do for Pastor Vickers is I take the goals that we've set for the year and I tell you now this is the last one so I you know it's it's summing up the year pretty much that's why I'm sharing it but you know for you 6 months in your department if you're a department leader I'll ask you how are you doing on your goals that is your gap report the gap means the, the gap between what you said you're going to do in this year and where you're at now and then we're going to discuss the gap on how to get you all the way to your goals the all of this so we we look at it like paperwork The leaders always murmur and complain, oh, i got to do my goals. Oh, what am I going to do? It's going to take you a little prayer in about five minutes to write down. Oh, swatting gap reports. I'm quitting leadership. I can't take this anymore. I've never heard the murmuring and complaining about two things I ask you to do during the year that are totally beneficial to you. It, it takes probably 20 minutes to do this. I'm asking for 20 minutes of paperwork this year, and I'm asking you for a little prayer. And those 20 minutes and that prayer will radically I- expedite the success that your par- department will have. So please, when, you, when I say, oh, I don't know how, it, it, what it is is fear of I don't know what I'm doing. Is what it is. And you department heads, you G-force level leaders need to make sure your people don't feel that way. Help them so they don't overthink it, overdo it, don't do it wrong. Say, hey, it's really simple. This is what Pastor Guy wants us to do. And it also keeps me in the loop so I can help you accomplish, so your leaders can help you accomplish. Does that make sense? Anyway, I just had to throw all that in because that's a, people just like, I, I just not cut out for leadership because I can't do that SWAT report. It's, it's so simple. It's so simple. All right. So here is my report to Pastor Vickers for, for this year. I wrote, we keep keep bouncing back. We're growing again. the y'all... Y'all get as frustrated as I do about we we grow and then COVID hits and then we get knocked back down. We have to grow again. Well, that's just part of victory. You know, you win some, you lose some, but you keep getting back up and you keep moving forward. So we keep bouncing back and we don't quit. Do you understand we're in a time of testing? We have been in a time of testing. If you ask me way too long. I tell God that all the time, but God is not on our time schedule. And it seems to me as if he has tested us and our, our, our heart to stay true to what we're doing, despite all the setbacks and the, the mediocre results that we have had over the years, then when he does decide that we have passed the test and he pours out victory on us, I believe it's going to be a big one because we will be in position to support and that structure and those systems and that growth as leaders. And this is the most important day, and this is the most important meeting of the year right now because you determine the success of this church. So we're bouncing back and we're growing again. Sometimes it's like, oh, well, we've done this several times. When are we ever going to get past? Well, that's not for me to know. It's for me to get up and put my boots on and get back to work again today. And God is going to bring the increase when it's time. I wrote, we continue to have a strong group of prayer warriors praying corporately. That's our passion prayer team. God's presence is very tangible in our services. That's the main thing for our services. Our praise team is going deeper many new leaders are being raised up a young adults group has been become a reality thanks to Josiah that's very needed and f- a few very solid young ministers are coming into their own and see when you're raising up leaders that's when you're going to see growth and if i can encourage these leaders to lead that's when we're going to see the increase. So then I took, these are our goals, nine goals here, that I'm giving him our progress. One of our goals in 2021 was to rebuild our kingdom kids and nursery attendance. I wrote, we're succeeding in, in this. Uh, nursery, you know, is starting. We had to grow our own. Good job, Samuel. He never thought he'd get applause for that. <clears throat> Joe, good work, son. <laughs> All right. Create a more successful Kingdom Kids online church. You know, when we were doing the Kingdom Kids show, the, the little video, um, we decided to stop doing that at this time. It didn't seem right to the Holy Ghost and to us, so we put that on hold, Maybe, maybe for a future date. But that's one thing that you do. If God's not in it, you stop doing it. You stop. You got to learn to stop. You don't just continue things because, well, that's the way we've always done it. Uh, Number three is experience great organic church growth through life groups. We experienced a good amount of growth. I believe the best is yet to come. I believe uh, our life groups are growing, but it's not necessarily translating into we're getting them to come to church. (laughs) So that that we got to put the, all the pieces of the puzzle together to make it fully functional. But we're working towards that. We're doing very well for where we're at. We're at Rely, realize great personal growth in our people through life groups. I think that's phenomenal. Much personal growth is happening in our people in knowing God, finding freedom, discovering purpose, and making a difference. So the discipleship is happening. Number five: redesign and rebuild our youth group. Uh, we're we're able to start a youth group from the ground up and it is growing. Thanks again to Josiah and Joe. <clears throat> and you understand, you only have to look at Josiah and Joe to see people who start with nothing and make something, who don't get frustrated in small beginnings. And they just keep faithful at it, and God brings the increase because of their faith. Some, some of the things that we go through, many of, most of the things that we go through in this life are just tests of our character. God is working to see if you will pass the test so that you can get to the next level. Where you're working right now probably isn't your final design. But God is using this area and sometimes making it very tough on you to see if you will pass the test so that you can get to the place of greatness. <clears throat> improve visitor retention by 50%. Well, we got some numbers there. In 2021, we had 58 visitors, 17 returned, and 12 come regularly now. <clears throat> that was early in the fourth quarter, or right at the end of the fourth quarter when we wrote that. If those 12 are still coming, I don't know. We'll have to reevaluate, but this is a 29.3% return. On our rate from last year, it's more more than 50% increase from last year. We developed a solid new visitor retention team with a six-person crew, thanks to Donna's hard work. Great job, great leadership there. And she puts her heart into it. She understands uh, why we do that. Organizing, you you can't get a a person more likely uh, to become one of us than somebody who on their own braves through that front door, a visitor, and don't know what they're walking into back here in the back of nowhere. If they're brave enough to do that, we need to do everything. That is, they are 100% more likely to come here than somebody else we invite if they've already been through those doors. And so we really need to reach out to our visitors, return visitors. Organize the staff and uh, and staff a capable video department. Both our video and audio presentation online are looking very professional, and we are cross-training people so that we have plenty of backups. So that's a good job. We have come a long way thanks to Josiah uh, and and Paul and others, and now we've got the Master Thomas over here on the soundboard. Uh, we are doing very well for our the, the size church that we are. Had a had a church come to me yesterday at the funeral wanting to know our gear and how we accomplish what we accomplish. So we're doing as good or better than a lot of churches, you know, that, that run thousands of people. <clears throat> Number eight, provide consistent and professional online church streaming and see growth. We are providing the consistent and profe- professional waiting on God for the growth. Uh, that's all I got to say about that. I'm just, you know, every time I try to, no, I'm just not going to say that. Okay, number nine. Meet and exceed all our financial obligations and budgets, et cetera. We met our financial obligations this year. <clears throat> Woo! For the first time in the last three years. So let's look at page six and we'll see what happened. This is a chart on page six for the full year last year. And you can see on the right bottom there, it says giving totals. Our annual budget is $162,000 and given this year was $173,874. Praise God. So we, we exceeded that budget. Um, our monthly average giving was fourteen thousand four hundred and eighty-nine dollars and fifty cents, which is what Joe gives fifty cents. No, just kidding. <laughs> he gave the fifty. Just, just kidding. Just, uh, to to make our budget, then we would need to average thirteen thousand five hundred per month to keep the lights on and pay the payroll and and do and you know maintain at the all the bills that we have currently. So to we exceeded that by almost $1,000 per month. Um, that's good, but like I said, for the last two years, we were about that much under. So we're, you know, catching up a little bit. Um, our weekly average on giving is $3,343. That's an average week. Um, up at the top left, you see Sundays and adults, and you see how many people come per month. Over to the far right, on that first line of adults, it says we're averaging 50 adults per Sunday. That's our average. Um, we we're averaging six children per service. Uh, our missions given is approximately $215 per month. And our missions total for the year was 11203 and that's wonderful. That's great for a church our size. Uh, we did pledge over 12,000, I believe, uh, were our pledges. And some people obviously didn't meet their pledge, but others probably exceeded it. So, you know, we came up a little short but of our pledge, but still a very good year. And tomorrow is Missions Pledge Sunday, and we will drive this again t- tomorrow. Um, First-time guests, we average about one a week. We had 59 throughout the year. Um, At prayer, we, Tuesday night prayer, we averaged nine people. Um, We only had, what, six baptisms this year. Uh, You know, COVID restrictions and a lot of things like that in our community service hours and our salvations. We had 201 salvations that we, we let people, we led to the Lord this year. And that's good. That's good. That's not what we're used to. Uh, many of our outreaches, like youth villages and stuff, were cut off from us. The jail was shut down much of the year. Our community uh, manpower service hours was very low. We're used to over 500 salvations per year. Um, but but uh, one of the things we're going to have to do better as a church is learn to adapt. When things are cut off from us, then we need to find something else to do. We need to uh, we we can't stop because, you know things are cut off. So uh, overall, a good year. A good year. Many churches are not not seeing good years, and uh, we're we're still growing and we're still bouncing back. And I believe firmly in my heart that this is going to be a breakout year. I, I don't say that every year. I, I may say that I. I want us to break out this year. I may say that I believe we can, but I've, and, and it's not just me. I believe we are in for a, a great year. Uh, I've asked a couple of people to, to share with us today, people that I know have great wisdom. Before we, we ask the first one, I'm going to draw a name for somebody to come get them a phone holder, a Chick-fil-A, or a candy bar. Cindy, <laughs> let's do another one. Let's do two of them. Tony, you go, you go get your bass back. Now I would like to invite somebody to the pulpit who's, just, uh, who's been at this church longer and served more ardently than I ever have, uh, who does so many things behind the scenes that we would just be amazed, Miss Mary McCall. Yeah. <clears throat>
0: Is that right? Okay, good. Okay. All right, y'all don't laugh at me. My notes are on an envelope. It's amazing what you can do when you open an envelope up. It's a lot of space. <clears throat> but um, I have things everywhere, and I just started writing some things last night and started on the envelope, so it works. But anyway, it's an honor to be here. Thank you so much. Um, I always love being here, and um, I get something new out of it every time, so even if you've been here every time um, that you've been part of this church or a part of, of leadership, you can still get something, you can always be teachable, but anyway, so as I've, uh, it's been spoken, I lead a life group, and mine is for the ladies, and we have a group about maybe uh, nine or ten women, and there are a few in here that are that are in my group, and they've come. So they've heard a few of these things. But I'm going to uh, share a few things from my group, but then the Lord gave me something specific um, for the future for our church. So anyway, uh, let me just say prayer. Holy Ghost, um, Father, I just thank you for the Holy Ghost. I thank you uh, that you're with me, that you are the wisdom, that you are the uh, teacher, you are... Um, The power, and I just thank you, Father, that you have such a divine plan for this church. I've already seen things um, weaving um, in and out, uh, things that Pastor Guy said, and other people have already said and shared that uh, it's all cohesive, and that's by the power of the Holy Spirit. I know that. So I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, yes, everything already I was like, wow, that's exactly goes along with what I was going to say. And um, so, anyway, but in our group, we've been talking about the uh, topic has been hearken. And so everything we've been uh, talking about, it's about hearkening, hearing, hearing from God. Isn't that what he's just been talking about? Hearing from God. And so hearken means to listen, not just to let something go in one ear, out the other, um, go over your head, but it's to really, really listen, right? to lean in, right? And so we were talking about, uh, there's a song, Voice of God, and it has two lines in there. and One of them is about, um, a newborn baby crying uh, and the other one is about the final breath of a loved one passing so you know when you're thinking about hearing you're thinking about a newborn baby thinking about Mary Ellen and Samuel or Joe and Megan when they had Kinley and Noah so when that baby is there and the doctor's there and the parents are there they're hearkening to hear the voice of that baby crying And they're straining to hear, and they're waiting to hear. They're anticipating that voice of that baby crying. And if they don't hear the voice of that baby crying, they're in a crisis mode. They must hear that baby cry. And so if you think about hearing from God along those terms, to be so desperate to hear, just like you're waiting to hear the voice of that baby crying in that moment, that that's how we need to be hearing we talked about the final breath of a loved one passing. That too is a different type of, of, of hearing. You are hearing, you're listening, you're trying to listen because you are not wanting to miss a thing. You don't want to miss anything that might happen, anything that might that they themselves might be hearing. You want to be reverent to listen and to hear. And to see if there's anything, anything that they would say, anything they would do, anything that they would indicate or need in that moment, you're listening. You're listening. You're not distracted in either of those situations. You're not, oh, somebody's texting me or, you know, oh, you know, this or that. You know, at that moment, you are only listening. And so that's, that's one thing we talked about. One was anticipation with the newborn baby. The other was more of reverence. Another thing we talked about was to, um, attend to my words. All these things are about hearing, listening. So attend to my word. What that really means is pay attention to, you know, not just, Gloss over, not just oh, I've heard, read this before. I've heard this before. Done that. Oh, let me just read my, you know, three-minute devotional because that's what I'm supposed to do. But to attend to my word really means pay attention to. And we talked about that. Even Jesus Himself, the Living Word, had to find Himself in the written Word. That He came here. He was fully God, you know, he fully had a knowledge of everything that was going to happen, but what what he did, what he agreed to do on our behalf was to come here as a little baby, and even he had to find himself in the word, how important it must be for us to do the same thing so he uh that was in isaiah sixty one one and in luke four twenty one and so we can also see that uh, the word is so important it's part of the armor of God in Ephesians 6 that uh, it's the sword of the spirit which is the word of God right so should we not listen to the word of God we should put on that sword of the spirit have our sword of the spirit at all times make it important and so then another thing is that in hebrews 4:12, let's see uh, if i have that pulled up i don't know if i do anyway in hebrews 4:12, that the word is alive here i have it the word is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart when you are this is me when you are listening to the word you're listening to life and we talked about different things that happen, how the Holy Spirit shows you things and how you can listen and how you can hear. And the thing is, when you're reading the Word of God, you should feel like a superhero, you know. You know, it's alive. It's not just, okay, the leather binding, uh, the the wood that, that was made into paper, you know, the ink on the page, you know. That's just a device where we can... Um, you know, enjoy and have and utilize the word. The word is alive. You know, it can't be contained just on a page. It's on a page for our benefit. Let me stop preaching. I'm just saying, you know, it's on the page for our benefit, but it is actually the substance. It's the substance of what is contained on that page in that ink on those pages. Do you understand that? It's not... Uh, it's just, it's so exciting and enticing. Talk about fun is when you're reading the word and the Holy Spirit, you know, makes something jump off the page at you. That can happen in the every person in this room, every believer's life. I'll, I'll go ahead and talk about, we talk about, it's a funny, it's an old way back from when I was first here. We would laugh and call something a flop and stop. That's <laughs> where, you know what a flop and stop, anybody know what a flop and stop is? That's where you have your Bible and you just, You flop it open and it stops. And then all of a sudden this, the Holy Spirit just jumps off in a word, you know, and just ministers life to you. So, so we talked about attending to the word. Third one was inclining your ear. All these things are in the Bible. See, all these things are a part of hearken, a part of listening, okay? It's a way that's spoken in the word and you might not even realize it's about listening, but there's so much in the word about listening, okay? So inclining your ear, this is one of my very favorite ones. Uh, in Proverbs four twenty, Proverbs twenty two seventeen. 17, uh, it's all in there about incline your ear to my sayings, these wise sayings. And the word picture that we had was the Last Supper, and when John was there and he was inclining his ear, he was laying his head on Jesus' chest, he was quite literally inclining his ear. And I was thinking about, you know down here, maybe Matthew and you know you know Luke or down here, whoever is down here, whoever the disciples, and they were having a conversation. you know they were talking. and here was John inclining his ear on Jesus's chest and what choice morsels Jesus only had to whisper. He could be saying something specifically to John that only he and John could hear and, and wow, you know what choice morsels John got that maybe someone else was in the room, but they missed Because they weren't inclining their ear. They weren't in that position. They weren't inclining their ear to Jesus. Love that word picture. So, and then we talked about, is the still small voice audible? Talking about the Holy Spirit. So we're talking about hearing the Holy Spirit. And he talks, sometimes he talks, you know, different ways. But then he spoke in a still small voice in the word to several and so we said that was our opener is the still small voice audible well yes but what are you listening with are you listening with your natural ears and expecting are we only here in this natural realm expecting to hear a booming voice like that well you got to you got to step into the spirit and hear with your spiritual ears okay and so we talked also about in the spirit, it's a place, and that's where you can enter in through praise, worship, reading the word, you know, communing with the Lord. You enter into that place of in the spirit, okay? Everything's not out here, and it's natural. I think we get here where we're expecting things to start happening out here. Things do happen out here, but the really secret place is in the spirit, and even if you have to physically, as an act of faith, as a prophetic act, take a step and do it by faith of getting in the spirit where you can hear with your spiritual ears. So that was about audible. Is the still a small voice audible? And what does audible mean? Able to be heard, okay? But there's a second meaning of audible, which I got so excited about because you've been talking about this the whole time, is that what about sports? When they call an audible, y'all know what a call an audible is? Okay. When the quarterback's there and all of a sudden he sees how they're lining up and then he he "Uh says, uh-uh, uh-uh, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. He calls an audible right then and there. He changes it. He calls an audible and he changes the play. Okay. You must allow the Holy Spirit to call an audible in your life. It's a change in the offensive play, okay? Uh, in the corporate setting, it's our quarterback right here. He may call an audible and say, we're not doing that department like that anymore. We're not doing that like this anymore. And what we have to listen. But, you know, Jesus, of course, is, but, but right here, Pastor Guy, you know, he hears from God. You know, we hear from God too. But when he calls an audible or the Holy Spirit of God calls an audible, if you hear one, you come to him and you say, this is what I heard because you can't just change something in your department. But you hear it? You know, Joe, I get this, I got this awesome word from the Lord. Okay, come to me, you know, or we we come to our pastor. Okay, let's be aware that he's going to be doing that. You know, we have structure in place. Yes, that's that's where we, how we grow. But man, when the Holy Spirit tells us how to do something, it's going to (laughs) work. When he calls an audible and we do it like he says it, it's going to work. Okay, so that was that. And then... All right, so those were things that we've been talking about in the Harken Life Group for Women. Sorry, men, y'all can't come. But anyway, so <laughs> so we've been talking about hearing hearkening, hearkening to the voice of the Lord. Okay, but here's what he told me for today, and I love this. I circled it when you just said that about Psalms 127.1, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Okay, so think along those lines. I hope I can get this out right. What he said was, let it be lasting, okay? So lasting, that's the word, let it be lasting, okay? So lasting is enduring or able to endure over a long period of time. It's durable, permanent, fixed, established. It implies a capacity to continue indefinitely, okay? So it's lasting. Isn't that what we're trying to build here? Something that's lasting. Okay. So let it be lasting. Then he told me. He told me that like a week or so ago. And then I was trying to remember. And I thought, did he say make it lasting? What was it? Let it last. I was trying to remember, you know, what he told me. And then I was like, it was let it be lasting. And then he was like. Let there be light. It's like, let there be light. It was, stay with me. He did not say, make it lasting. That would be more of a command. Like, you make it lasting. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. You builders, you builders make it. Y'all do something. Do the the kids thing with the puppets. You know, you just said, we're not going to do that because Holy Spirit said, don't do that called an audible. Don't do that. Was it a good thing? Yes, it was fun. It was great. It fit along with our, you know, who we are. Okay. But it wasn't for now. It wasn't this time. Holy Spirit called an audible pastor heard it. Pastor did not try to make something happen. Okay. Because make it lasting would be a command. Okay. I'm going to make a distinction here, but he said, let it be lasting. It was a decree. It was a decree. Okay, now I've got to get my thing with decree. All right, y'all help me. All right. I don't have it. Okay, that's okay. Did I take, I didn't take, a, I took a photo of it. Okay, yes, thank you, Holy Spirit. Okay. So a decree is defined as. A formal and authoritative order. Having the force of law. A judicial decision or order. Google's definition includes a mandate, a proclamation, an edict, a command. It's an official order issued by a legal authority. Other definitions include to state emphatically, to show, reveal, or manifest, to declare one's position. Okay. In Job, it says, Thou shalt decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. Again, unless the Lord builds the house, the builder labors in vain. So, okay. So he said, It's a decree. We're to decree this. So we have creative power because we are not only a created being, like a dog, a giraffe, a pony is a created being, we are a created being. We are also a creative being because we are made in his image and likeness. And so when we decree and we combine it with the force, the authority of faith, then it shall come to pass. So that's what he gave me for us. Let it Just like let there be light. Let it be lasting. The things that we do when you're in your departments and you're thinking, it's not just, oh, I think we'll do it this way. I think we'll do it this way. No, it's so important because he has decreed for Passion Church of Soto, let it be lasting. And that means it will be. That's what I have.
1: Get ready. Uh, Now I'd like to call up Mr. Nicholas Mitchell.
2: talking about listening to God and having a lasting life with Jesus and a lasting ministry. And pastor's first verse in the packet is also a verse that I have here today. So thank you, Jesus, that you are the one speaking to us, that Nicholas Mitchell is not going to say a single word right now, that we're going to hear from God and we're going to be obedient and follow God. Everybody in here is a maturing Christian, right? Many of us, some of us are more mature than others, but we're all maturing. You would not be sitting at this table right now if you're not growing in Christ. So I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, every single one of you, you're going to hear this. And you're going to say, oh, yes, I agree with that. That's biblical. I want this in my life. And that's what you're going to believe. And you're going to say it. You're going to say amen. You're going to nod your head. But we have this thing called flesh that is going to fight against what God is about to tell you to do. So we get to make a decision. Are we going to allow our spirit man to overrule our sinful nature that we were born into and do what's uncomfortable and what we don't like and what we don't want to do because we know it's from God and we know it's what's good for us? Or are we going to be lack- lackadaisical, if that's a word? are we going to be lazy or just going to lay back and let the world happen to us? So, I believe that this July, when we finish out this summer semester of life groups, Passion Church has done a solid three years of three terms every year of life groups. So, we're finishing up our third year, we're headed there. And every single, from the very first life group, every single term that we've had, I've pushed one thing on the leaders every time. And that one thing that I pushed on them is, hey, accountability, Get accountability partners in your group. This term, this January, when we started, Life Group Leaders, have I said anything about that this whole time? I have not. Because I realized that number one, I didn't have it good enough in my own life. And I know that the majority of you guys sitting here, if you if you are like, man, if you got an accountability partner and people are holding you accountable in every single area of your life and you're like dishing all your dirt out to somebody, you're in the minority sitting at these tables. Now, people might think that you have accountability, but what I'm about to lay out for you, it goes a whole lot deeper than just talking to one person. So, I didn't push this on the life group leaders this time. I didn't say, hey, get everyone in your group to find accountability partners. Because I knew if us sitting at this table, if us as leaders aren't doing it, then it's not going to work. So, we need to get it in our own life. This isn't about doing a ministry. This is about us staying close to God and what we are supposed to be doing. So, In Psalms chapter 10, verse 4, and these first two, I'm doing the Holman Christian Standard Bible version, and then after these first two verses, it's all NLT like I normally use. So Psalm 10, 4, it says this, In all his scheming, the wicked arrogantly thinks there is no accountability since God does not exist. So our flesh is wicked and will try to keep us away from accountability. Our spirit must persevere and do what is best for us, even though it is uncomfortable and painful. It is wicked to say, hey, I don't need accountability. Because if you don't think you need accountability, that means you don't think God exists. Because God holds us accountable and he's placed people in our life to hold us accountable. It says in Psalms chapter 10 verse 13, why has the wicked person despised God? He says to himself, you will not demand an account. Well, guys, it's, it's been a long journey. I've been following Jesus for like seven years now as an adult. And I've looked for accountability partners all over. I found young men uh, that are on fire for Jesus. I found up and coming ministers. I found established ministers and people do it for a couple weeks, a couple months. And then they'll fall off because they don't want you to know their own dirt and what they're going through. People don't want to tell the truth. They don't want you to to let people in. They don't want you to know when they're doing wrong. So finally, a couple months ago, I called my dad up on the phone. I said, Dad, I need you. Because no one else has ever held me accountable in every single area of my life. Now, I have accountability partners. I have other people that know stuff and know what's going on. But I called on my dad. And I said, Dad, I need you to do this for me. And he said, "Okay, I'll do it for you. So, So number one... Before we start talking about my dad, number one is God. We're accountable to God. In Romans chapter 14, verse 12, it says, yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So some of you guys sitting here today, you're like, yeah, okay, I don't have a friend or a quote unquote accountability partner or discipleship partner. I don't confess my sins to this person all the time. They don't uh, call me out on if I'm reading my word and all this, but I'm accountable to God. Well, yeah, you are. That's 100% true. You are accountable to God, but that is only one part of accountability. Every man and woman sitting at this table, you're going to give an account to God for everything that you do, for every word that you say, for every idle word, you're going to have to give an account to God. But wouldn't you much rather when you get there, you don't get to say, oh, I was just brushing that stuff off. I didn't think it was a big deal that I didn't read my Bible that day. Wouldn't you rather call up your friend on the phone and be like, hey, did you read your Bible today? No, did you read your Bible today? All right, let's do it right now. Wouldn't you rather be accountable to a man right now so when you get there before God's throne, you get to say, hey, I did it. Or you could just push it off right now and say, oh, it's not a big deal. My sin ain't that bad. It's just a little bit, just slipping a little bit. It's fine. It's between me and God. You choose. Next, you have yourself. We're accountable to God. We're also accountable to ourselves. You have a conscience. It says in the beginning of Romans that every man has a law on his heart. We know the difference between right and wrong. You have self-control. You can choose to do the right thing and to not do the wrong thing. But the issue with only being accountable to God and only being accountable to yourself is We can make ourselves believe that small compromises are okay. Every great fall is from a hundred bad decisions. Nobody just woke up and then left Passion Church forever who's been coming here for 20 years. Every great fall came from a hundred bad decisions. And we see, you know, this table has been full every year that I've been coming to these leadership meetings. And it's always about the same as it was today. About half the faces are new. And that's good. I'm glad that we have these new faces. But I wish our table was bigger. I wish the old faces were still here. And see, if instead of playing church and saying like, oh, I can call Joe when I got a problem, actually do it. Actually have accountability in your life. Don't just pretend that you do. Don't just pretend like, oh, I went and I went into church this morning in the pre-service prayer. I stayed in there extra time with the men and I told them what was going on and they prayed for me. And don't fool yourself and trick yourself into thinking that is accountability because it is not. You have to have daily accountability and weekly accountability with other men and women of God. So yes, you're accountable to God. You're accountable to yourself, but you're also accountable if you're married to your spouse And then even if you're not married to your family. Now, I would venture to say that most of the people in this room right now, if you're married and your spouse is a believer and living for Jesus, that you're accountable to your spouse. And that's a beautiful thing. And that's wonderful. And that's your primary accountability partner. And that's the way God made it. But it doesn't even stop there. You can't put all of that mess onto your spouse. You have to have somebody else that can be just as close to you that you can talk to about these things. It says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 25. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we are all parts of the same body. So in order for this accountability thing to work, no, scratch that. In order for your relationship with Jesus to work, you have to stop telling lies to the people that are closest to you. You have to be willing to tell them the truth. You have to. And my family knows messed up things about me that nobody else knows. They know these things. I tell them the truth. Next. You have to have friends. This is like what you would think of as a typical accountability partner. Yeah, you got to have God, yourself, your spouse if you're married, and your family. But then even though your spouse is like on fire for Jesus, that's not enough. That's not enough accountability in your life. You need to have somebody that you're not married to to also be an accountability partner with you. It says in Mark chapter 9, verse 33, After they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house... Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing out on the road? If you read Mark chapter 9 lately, you remember what they were discussing is who's going to be the greatest in heaven. Where are they going to sit close to Jesus? Okay. So notice the order that this takes place. Jesus didn't ask them this when they were in Capernaum out on the road. He didn't ask them this. He waited until they were settled into a house. So accountability is something that is going to take place in private. Invite people who are close to you to call you out in private on a weekly basis or whatever you need in your life. Somebody, a, another minister, not long ago, a month ago, called me. he said, hey man, um, I need to be better and be better. This is a pastor of a church. He said, I need to be better disciplined at waking up in the morning and praying. This is a, pa- guys, listen to me. This is a pastor of a church who called me and told me this, okay? He said, call me every morning. I said, no, I'm not going to call you every morning. Because if I call you every morning, we're going to set ourselves up for failure. We're not going to do it. Neither one of us are going to pick up the phone at 6 a.m. when I'm driving to work and have that be our time. It's not going to happen. I said, I'll call you once a week. The first week I call him. And he said, "Oh, oh, I appreciate you calling me, but I'm already up doing this, blah, blah, blah. Didn't pray, hung up. Second, we got to call him. He didn't answer, okay? So you have to actually do it. You need to set up something that you're really going to do. Don't ask somebody to call you in the morning and pray if you're not willing to pray in the morning. This is also something that you have to pursue yourself. When you leave here today, and I'm challenging all of you to do this as an essential to it for Jesus and to not dying because you're going to die by yourself. You will die if you are alone in this. How many people have we seen come in and out of this church? They never hooked up. They never found men and women of God they could talk to, they could trust, they could grow with, and they just died by themselves. We need each other to build each other up and to help each other. So you have to find something that is actually going to work for you and you have to pursue them. You have to be the one to make the call. There's two more. I got time? There's two more ways of accountability. So you're accountable to God. You're accountable to yourself. You're accountable to your spouse, primarily if you have a spouse or to your family. You're accountable to a friend, a close confidant that you can trust to be your accountability partner. And next, you are accountable to your ministry. Partners. So think about who is above you in the ministry, who is alongside of you in the ministry, and who is underneath you in the ministry. This week in the school, I went up to, and I haven't talked to all of them yet that I need to, but I I told three different teachers in the school that are helping us with this ministry. I said, Look, there's a lot of things happening right now, and God's doing a lot of things here, so I might sound strict. I might say something. I might say no to one of your ideas or something. I said, But in private, Call me out, push back at me and tell me why God has shown you what he's shown you and why you're right and why I'm wrong. I said, call me out at any time when we're alone. Tell me the truth. okay? but in public, especially in front of the students, we're always going to support each other. Even if you do something or say something wrong, I'm going to support you and we're going to keep God's vision going but call me out in private. So I'm telling the teachers, helping me run this ministry at the school that's gone from zero to hundred in just a couple months that God is doing awesome things there. I said, call me out. Tell me if I'm doing something wrong. Tell me if I'm making bad choices and tell me why your reason of how we should do something in the ministry is better. I have no issue with that. So Jesus, give me strength for what I'm about to say. I'm going to tell you guys the same thing right now. I'm not, there's a lot more of you guys than there are of people helping me out to high school. So I give every single one of you permission to speak into my life. Please tell me if you see me getting off track. If you see the smallest thing in my life, call me out on it in private. Not here in front of everybody. Call me up on the phone in private. Come over to my house in private. Take me to lunch. Tell me, no matter how small you might think it is. Yeah, take me to lunch, please. Right? <laughs> Come I'll just, I'll just, Yeah. I'll just start messing up. I'll get some meals, right? Okay, so, but I'm being dead serious right now, guys. We need this in our lives. We need accountability in our lives, or we're not going to make it. Don't think that you're so high up that your name is on that organizational chart, on that piece of paper that we looked at. Or that you've been living for Jesus for so long or that you're the most spiritual person at this table and you don't need it. Because I have accountability in many different places in my life. My, my father is a close personal one, but I also have friends. I also have ministry partners and people above me in different areas of my life that are holding me accountable for different things. My dad is the one holding me accountable for everything, but I have other people holding me account- accountable in very specific areas. You guys need each other. It says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1-4, to it says, And now a word to you who are elders in the churches. I, too, am an elder. So we're all here living for Jesus. You're not above anything. We're all working together. You're not above being held accountable and a witness to the sufferings of Christ. And I, too, will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world as a fellow elder. I appeal to you, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. So, we're elders, we're servants, we're living for Jesus. We have to build each other up, and we have to lead by example and actually do this. And there's one more form after your ministry partners, which is small Groups, small groups. When you have a group of friends that you hang around with, they are going to help to keep you accountable. If all of your friends are scattered and none of your friends know each other, you're going to be a different person when you're around each of these people. It's so easy to shape shift and just appeal to one person's uh, likings and make them think a certain way. But that's why having groups of friends is so important. So Samuel and Josiah, all three of us have hung out together so much. They both know me. They know I'm the same me. I can't act differently in front of one or the other because I'm the, I'm around both of them at the same time. So that is why life groups are so important. Life group is that final form of accountability where people that you are living with every week, you're around them and they see if you really are doing what you say you're doing. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, without wise leadership, a nation falls. There is safety in having many advisors. That was pastor's first verse. And that is my last verse. And I wanna encourage you guys to get an accountability partner if you need help on what that would look like or how to do it or who you should even ask to do that come talk to me i'll be happy to happy to help you i'll be you to, happy to find you somebody in your life to help hold you accountable because we need this endurance and this longevity that mary is talking about if we're not keeping ourselves straight and now look it, it's not just about sin i tell my dad how many times i read my bible today My goal is to read my Bible three times a day. Right now I'm doing it one to two. Okay, so right now I'm just getting that second one locked in. I always do it in the morning. I'm working on my afternoon. So right now I need to be reading my Bible twice a day. And he's holding me accountable on that. Sometimes I might only do it once. So you need to get locked in with people in your life that are going to keep you on the right path. But in order to do that, you have to be real. You have to be honest. Do not shy away from this. Everyone in here is nodding their heads yes, but how many people are actually going to have someone hold them accountable today for what they're spending their time doing, how you spend every minute of every day?